1: This is
2: the day Can't help but tell What he's done for me I lift my soul Give the victory Set my footsteps Walking right Gave me eyes to see the light the day. This is the day That the Lord has made This is the day This is the day That the Lord has made and I'll lift up my eyes my, my head come to my head Let the heavens rejoice and Let the earth be glad Let the hills be so forth, let, oh, yeah. uh, let the sea roll oh, by. Let the earth I uh, Let the sea Let the wind oh, and yeah. uh, Let the rain oh, yeah. uh, Let the sun I oh, yeah. uh, Let the moon I oh, yeah. uh, Let the young oh, yeah. And let the old, oh, yeah. left the church, let the church, let the church, let the church, rejoice to be exceedingly glad. This day, this is the day that the Lord has made.
3: Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome you to another broadcast of the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God. Uh, Episode number 32, if we're counting right. And we have entered into the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John and read about nine verses. But... This, of course, will lead us to another encounter um, with Jesus, um, a miracle, and the response of the Jewish leaders of that day. And, of course, uh, this is the work of Jesus as he's in Jerusalem. Um, So as we were together last week, just before we... End of the class, we read the first nine verses, um, which, of course, was the account of the blind man. The man born blind received his sight from Jesus. And our lesson today, of course, deals with all the, uh, concerning that, that point. Now, I want to make a note here. The man born blind, as we left off in the uh, ninth verse, was telling everyone that it is it is I. Because many were saying, well, could this be the man that's been born blind and was a beggar and all? And he kept reassuring everyone and telling them, it is I. Uh, I was blind and now I see. Um, you know, a note, uh, Jesus, uh, <clears throat> Jesus made uh, clay uh, from the dust of the ground and spittle and rubbed it on the man's eyes. And then he said, go away and wash at the pool of Siloam. Uh, now, that pool is interesting. That pool is part of the, the uh, spring of Ophel, uh, the water system coming into Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, in the days of Jesus, uh, the pool was there. Uh, above ground it, originally it had been rather underground if you will as a reservoir cistron but to, in this day it was used as a um, because it was uh, the pool was located on the south end of the city of David of course which would have been just south of the temple area and there were steps uh, uh, leading down to it as a matter of fact it's been lost for many, many, many years. Most of your your books will not even mention uh, where it's at or anything, just the references in the scripture. But in 2004, it was discovered um, in the digging and repairing of a sewer pipe in that part of the town. Um, and it was discovered and, uh, and a dig began and within a couple of years they had exposed the whole area. But that's where the people went during those three major feast days um, to do ceremonial washings before they went to the temple. So it wasn't just a random place that Jesus sent him. It was a place of washing in preparation. Ceremonial, obviously, um, because hundreds of thousands, and and actually Josephus writes that during that, that period of... Uh, time, uh, 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, that there could be up to 3 million people in Jerusalem during those times. Uh, that, that pool is a good thing it was uh, spring-fed uh, because it had a lot of work to do. So they would ceremonial, ceremonial wash, and that's just what the blind man did. And now he is returned uh, to the area. And, uh, and the account uh, goes on. And, of course, uh, this is a, a wonderful teaching. It's also a testimony, of course, to um, the, the great truths and the great teaching of Jesus. And not only that, but how we see people that were involved in this, uh, the blind man and the others around as they argue the point with the Jewish leaders, uh, they are, <clears throat> you know, they have the truth on their side, and, and uh, I consider some very, very powerful logic that's hard to uh, explain away as the Jewish leaders, of course, were attempting at that time. So let's look, uh, pick up in verse 10 through 16, and then we'll uh, kind of discuss it a little bit. Um they said, therefore, to him, they're speaking to the, the man more born blind, but now can see, how were thine eyes opened? Now that they, uh, as, as we'll find, remember, are the Jewish people, not the leaders at this point, but the people around, those people that knew him. Um, and he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay, and rubbed my eyes, and said to me, Go away to the pool of Siloam, and wash. And having gone away, and having washed, I received sight. They said therefore to him, Where is that one? And he saith, I have not known. They bring him to the Pharisees, who once was blind. Now he's at the Pharisees before them. And it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Again, therefore, the Pharisees also were asking him how he received sight. And he said to them, Clay he did put upon my eyes, and I did wash, and I see. Of the Pharisees, therefore, certain said, This man is not from God, because the Sabbath he doth not keep. Others said, How is a man, a sinful one, able to do such signs? Signs, of course, being miracles or such deeds. And there was a division among them. Okay, let's stop there because I believe that's a key thought. Um, so our, we are we pick up where the blind man is returning from having his his uh, sight restored, as Jesus had instructed him, and he's seeing people, and they are seeing him, <coughs> and they recognize him as the blind man, and he probably wasn't needing any assistance in his journey, Um and they were asking themselves, is this the man? Is this the man born blind? In his response. So the they there are, are the people that were in, uh, in the area. And, of course, there were a lot of people around, many, many people. But they were very interested in how he received his sight, as, as, we, might, uh, as we might understand. Now, what does he do? He gives credit to a man called Jesus. So that's a good good way to start, isn't it? Now, I don't believe he's he's seen Jesus again. Uh, he might have. We don't know by the by the text. But um, he knew his name. He probably knew it would recognize his voice. But he does not know where he is. He doesn't know where he is at that time. You know, with that many people around, you could easily get lost in a crowd there and be gone for a long time. Remember, uh, Jesus' parents lost him in in that same crowd and didn't know he was gone for three days. Had to go back and get him. Um, So that's uh, an issue. In verses 13 through 15, we find... Of course the, the first thing the Pharisees do is now there's been another miracle performed on the Sabbath and as far as they're concerned that this violates their rules of the Sabbath and i say their rules because if they understood the Sabbath as they should have they wouldn't have been making such uh, ridiculous charges as a matter of fact they'd already been told about this before but they're they're holding to their point. So the healing on the Sabbath is what I consider a stumbling block for the Pharisees. Um, any legalism that we find uh, is always going to be, at the end of the day, a stumbling block. It's going to cause you to uh, be able to, uh, not be able to proceed, uh, not be able to go on with any good things, because you're stumbled here on your face, uh, and you're not doing much good. That's what the uh, this legalism had done to the Pharisees, as it had developed through the years. But the man recounts the exact same story to the Pharisees, and why wouldn't he? This was the truth, the simple truth, if you will. And and they're listening, but they're not. Um, they're not keen on the whole idea they they know who jesus is they know he's performed miracles maybe some of them have even witnessed it uh most probably hadn't but the the stories were definitely uh, backed up with many witnesses but the key verse here is verse 16 i think i think it's the key to the passage there was a division between the Jewish leaders, and you know I'm so glad there was, because that meant that some of them were actually thinking as they should have been, as uh, as the leaders of the people, truly disciples of of the Word of God, learners, students, and um, they weren't going to be just ramrodded into some legalistic corner. Uh, and dismiss this, uh, this, this uh, miracle that had happened uh, of a, a blind man, a man born blind from birth, his sight restored. Now, what's important about this is, is this. Um, first off, Jesus was not keeping the Sabbath in the eyes and the thinking of most of them. Or at least the legalists of them, because in their understanding that was a problem. But the paradox of this is how can a sinner perform such a miracle? Now that's an obstacle for them, and that's what's causing this division. Some did understand, while others could not see. So, what is the what is the real issue here? Uh, the paradox must be, you know, a paradox is where two two points are obviously true, and yet they 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 put up, they set up a um, an in, insurmountable. It can't be rationalized. But you know, they never had a thought in their mind that, of course, that the uh, Jesus was not a sinner, and it was it was okay. For him to heal the blind man on the Sabbath, um, and of course the miracle itself was a miracle that had, in recorded history, in there they had never heard of this ever occurring, and I believe that that that's uh, that's the truth. But this is also, and I don't have the scripture, um, but there is an Old Testament messianic passage talking about well, I, I think even, um, I'm not sure, I think John the Baptist's father might have uh, spoke it, or, or I'm not sure about that, but there's a, a passage in the Old Testament about the, the Messiah, the Anointed One, um, uh, restoring sight. Now, that restoring sight may have been a reference to understanding or seeing the truth. Uh I, I, I'm not sure of that. Uh, you'd really have to study that and, uh, and study the Greek word in the Septuagint and find out. You know, I think uh, in my message today, I have a uh, uh, whole thing about see, the word see. There's about 13 or 14 different, different Greek words for the idea of see. You know, seeing with the eyes, seeing with the heart, you know, things of that sort. Now, in English, it seems like we have one word for see, uh, which, which is, a little bit, uh, <laughs> is a little bit hard to deal with because we don't really know what you're saying <laughs> when you say, uh, I see. What do you mean by that? So, and that, that's the point. The Greeks had a different Greek word for each, each particular item of that, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But their condition, the condition of the Pharisees, they were divided. We see division all the way through the history of men. Especially when it has to do with the things of God. Uh, So it is exactly as it is today. But I want to remind you of something. Let's look at Matthew 13. The parable of the sowers again. Just a few words that Jesus, in explaining this parable now for the last time, uh, to the apostles after he told them that, tried to tell them, uh, verse uh, 18, that's where we're going to start reading, after he had told the parable and, and defined it uh, somewhat, but he says this to the apostles in verse 18, You, therefore, that the apostles, hear ye the simile of the sower. Everyone, hearing the word of the rain, or the kingdom, and not understanding the evil one doth come and doth catch that which hath been sown in his heart this is that sown by the way so that represents that in the parable remember that that sown in the heart you know this account of the blind man to the pharisees that was something sown into their heart you know they didn't see it they heard it and now it was it was part of them Okay, and, but in this case that Jesus is pointing out, that was sown in, into an area that's by the way. In other words, adjacent to the good ground. Verse 20, And that sown on the rocky place, this is he who is hearing the word, and immediately with joy is receiving it. And he hath not root in himself, but is temporary. And persecution or tribulation is, Having happened because of the word, immediately he is stumbled. And that sown towards the thorns, this is he who is hearing the word, and the anxiety of this age and the deceitfulness of the riches doth choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Uh, It is unfruitful to him. Verse 23 That sown on the good ground, This is he who is hearing the word and is understanding who indeed doth bear fruit and doth make some indeed a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Okay. And immediately Jesus goes into another parable. Now he's already quoted the scripture from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, about seeing they do not see or understand, hearing they do not hear or understand. But if they would just turn, as God has said to them, if they would turn towards me, I would heal them. You see, this is the um, the bad ground is not just a matter of random. It's just your luck, as people say, to be in the rocky adjacent to the good ground or whatever. No, no. The ground is who you are. That's the point here. And that's what... Jesus is um, saying to the apostles concerning the parable of the sowers, um, it's what's in a man, in, in their heart, mankind, more to, to be more exact. Um, so, <clears throat> do we see the same principle in the uh, Pharisees here? Definitely, we do. How could they discount such a miracle? For the fact that it was performed on a Sabbath. And by the way, the man didn't the blind man didn't break the Sabbath by walking to the pool because Jesus was in that temple area. So it wasn't, you know, beyond what they call a Sabbath day journey. There was a there there was a, a distance, and I forget the exact distance of it. Um but it was considerable. Uh, and he didn't violate that. Jesus didn't cause him to violate it. Jesus didn't violate it. You know, the Sabbath was for people to stop their their everyday work and think and consider the things of God. Now, healing the blind man, I think maybe that could be considered the things of God, couldn't it? In
0: this
3: case? Seeing as though the miracle actually was was performed through Jesus from the power of God, delegated authority, and all that we know is exactly the case here? Of course it is. So we can see it much clearer on our side. We have to realize that there was a lot of cloudiness on the side of the Pharisees um, because their understanding uh, was legalistic but we have the same problems today within Christianity of letting legalism become our guide and our principle or our constitution or things of that sort. <clears throat> you know, a, a truth doesn't isn't legal legalistic. The truth is just the truth. You present the truth, you don't really have to defend it because there it is. You present it. Present it in a number of different ways, and now it becomes the responsibility of the hearer to deal with the truth. Sure. It's not you to you don't bind this on them and put them away somewhere in a dark place, uh, you know, till they agree with you. <coughs> That's what legalism is, and it's it's total uh, misunderstanding. Or, um, you know, we have a lot of ways of putting people away. You know, we can stop talking to them, stop uh, being around them, doing all kinds of things. Um, Now, if they leave us, uh, you know, we want them restored, but um, I don't think we should be the cause of someone's departure, not if we can help. So, I think it's a good place to pick up the scripture again, because we see now that uh, we're going to have an encounter Going to be looking at verses 17 through 33. That we just need to hear, I think, and consider. Um, 17 through 33. They said to the blind man again, Now, this is the Pharisees in this point. Thou, what dost thou say of him? That he opened thine eyes? So now they're questioning the man. They wanted to see if maybe what he's been saying he doesn't really mean. So the blind man responds, and he said, he is a prophet. The Jews, therefore, did not believe concerning him that he was blind and did receive sight. Till, uh, Till that they called the parents of him who received sight. Now listen to these scriptures. I, I think they're they're very vivid, and they show us the, the human nature, and the fact that people weren't really that afraid to talk to each other. But anyway, verse nineteen, and they asked them, that is the parents, <clears throat> saying, "Is your son of whom you say that he was born blind, how then does he now see?" The parents answered them and said. We have known that this is our son and that he was born blind. And how he now seeth, we have not known. Or who opened his eyes, we have not known. Himself is of age, ask him. He himself shall speak concerning himself. That's pretty bold. And, uh, you know, they don't want to bring themselves into... This dispute, really, but I think they've done the best they can. They can't
1: confirm he was on
3: They, they can. Um, They, they can.
0: So. Yeah, you know, but this is a great example of, you know, aren't we supposed to be aware, as aware of what we shouldn't say or what we don't say as what we do? Um, Mm -hmm. You know in the walk you don't always have to have the answer it's okay if you if you don't
3: yeah speculation can really get you in trouble can it
0: that that's the something that the followers did not do right um, it,
3: it's uh, oh it's uh, it's so easy to slip into it though oh yeah
0: you know and and given given the circumstances i mean they were obviously trying to use this man because yeah. they really weren't interested that that much in the miracle that, at, that happened. They were interested in Jesus That's and right. hunting him down. Yeah, because all this hinges on
3: Jesus. I mean, if this really happened, what are they supposed to think about Jesus now? So they're even denying that the man born blind was actually blind. But now they ask his parents, and they're confirming it. I think they should know. Um, And all the people around, they all knew. Okay. Now, it says in verse 22, These things said the parents because they were afraid of the Jews. For already had the Jews agreed together, that is the Jewish leaders, that if anyone may confess him, that is Christ, he may be put out of the synagogue. By the way, that confessing Christ, What that means, of course, is saying that this Jesus is the Messiah. That's what Christ is. All right? The Anointed One. That if you name Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ, he may be put out of the synagogue. Well, being put out of the synagogue was not a good thing. Uh, It was was like being excommunicated in the language of our day. Um, which is a reality. It's it's misused and misappropriated, but nonetheless, it, it's still a, an idea. And they were doing it there.
0: Sounds like cancel culture to
3: me. Well, it, it, it does kind of touch on the cancel culture, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nothing new under the sun, I think we could say, right? All right, verse 23. Because of this, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They called, therefore, a second time the man who was blind. So apparently they put him out of the area to question his parents. And they brought him back in. And they said to him, give glory to God. We have known that this man is a sinner. Now they're back to the point, aren't they? They want him to give glory to God and take it away from who?
0: Right.
3: Yeah, take it away from Jesus because he's a sinner in their eyes. But he answers, therefore, and said, if he is a sinner, I have not known. One thing I have known, that being blind, now I see. You know, that's a stinging response there. And that's what I mean about pure logic. This is the logic that we find Uh, amongst ourselves many times, but we also find it in the Bible especially. Uh, God has things, does things in a way that brings everyone in the whole picture to a a point of this has to be the way it is. And that's just what's happening. And they said to him again, what does he to thee, how did he open thine eyes? Now they want a technical report before they believe. Well, he answers them again. I told you already, and you did not hear. Why again do you wish to hear? Do you also wish to become his disciples? <laughs> well, this guy's walking on the really thin ice. But I, I, I just think this, this, uh, this passage is so is so, uh, so appropriate for this issue. You know, for someone to try to dismiss a miracle on different technicalities and things of that sort, it's just not going to be easy to do. And now this man, the, the blind man, is emboldened to be saying these things to men that actually hold the sway of his uh, having the, uh, the next day or not. Although they weren't, under Roman law, allowed to execute anyone, uh, they had a funny way of getting around that. So in verse 28, They reviled him, therefore, and said, Thou art his disciple, and we are Moses' disciples. So if he really is a a disciple of Jesus, then he is going to be taken away from the synagogue and put outside. But they, of course, are Moses' disciples. That puts them in in the place of not only power, but being on the right side of the issue in their estimation. Verse 29, We have known, says the Pharisees, that God has spoken to Moses, but this one we have not known whence he is. There we go again. They admit their ignorance as to who Jesus is, but By this time, they should have already known all these things. They can't judge this situation being as ignorant as they are in in reality. They just really can't. Verse 30, the man answered and said to them, why? And this is a wonderful thing, that you have not known whence he is, and he opened my eyes. And we have known that God doth not hear sinners. The, man, the blind man still speaking here. Yeah. Yeah. But if anyone may be a worshiper of God and may do his will, he doth hear. Him he doth hear. From the age it was not heard that anyone did open eyes of one who hath been born blind. If this one were not from God, he were not able to do anything. Now, that's quite a statement from from this man born blind. Again, perfect logic. If he were not from God, he would not have been able to do this or anything else.
0: Uh, The account is, uh, is wonderful. This is definitely someone who was touched by Jesus in more ways than just one. Yeah. I believe it, and
3: I also believe he was listening uh, to the to the readings and in the, uh, the the scriptures and the teaching uh, in the synagogue all of his days. Being a blind man, I think he was actually hearing and contemplating the word he was hearing from the scriptures. Yeah. He's putting this together, and I and he's he's right now. I I think we could say that the Pharisees are in a desperate need for an answer that will discredit Jesus of Nazareth. Because if they can't discredit him, they're only left with one other option.
0: Follow him.
3: Follow him. And that's going to be an issue for them. Some of them, especially. But they will not be able to have one. Uh, They're not going to be able to do this. Due to the testimony of the blind man, his parents, and I think just the pure logic and truth of all the statements that's been uttered. Then on top of all of that, there is the miracle, isn't there?
0: There is the miracle. There there's there's even more than the miracle. I mean this is this is proving what Jesus told his disciples back in verse three.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: that when they were asking about who was did the man send or did the parents send? That, that, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. And that G- Jesus himself said that neither did this one sin nor his parents, but that the, work, the works of God may be, may be manifest in him. It might right. be made known in him. And this is right. this man's testimony of what Jesus did to him, something that's never been done before. Yeah. That's so powerful. Jesus told them what the, the answer to the
3: whole problem before it even occurred. Right, yeah, this blind man was going to be uh, a testimony to, well, to Jesus, of course. This is God's stamp of evidence, if you will. Yeah. The man born blind, now he sees?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And who's involved? You know, the, 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 the man born blind could have come up with a lot of stories, I suppose, but he's not going to. Because he knows exactly what happened. It was very, very quick and fast. Um and it happened just as Jesus told him. Um, there's no technical or physical way that that was the, the the dust on the ground and the spittle in any way healed the eyes. Um, so it's it's a miracle, of course. And it's becoming a testimony to everyone there from God. And what is the testimony? Jesus has been sent from God. He's and and the words the words go out. You know the words that people already heard. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And uh, John the Baptist that we need to listen to him. Uh, I'm not fit to untie the sand the strap on his sandal. And on and on it goes. So. And then in verses 24 through 27, we find first that the Pharisees call the man born blind and uh, he tells them exactly what happened again. Um, But they're convinced to determine Jesus and have him called a sinner. And even for this man to deny him, okay, you can see, praise God for that, but deny Jesus. You know, they're giving him a way out of this. He's not taking it, friends. He's not going there. Because he knows what happened. And he knows. He knows and the other people know too. This could not have happened outside of the work of Jesus of Nazareth. And this has to be the work of God. And what now are the leaders of the Jews to do with this? You know, the, the man born blind has said his piece. He, he believes it happened, and he's giving credit where it's due. Now, now the, uh, the ball is back in their court. What are they going to do with Jesus? So the, the blind man's response was not what they wanted to hear, of course, and their threats didn't seem to uh, bother him. Pure truth, compelling logic, as I've said here before, Brings the question, of course, full front. Who is this man from Nazareth? The Jews accuse the uh, the Jews accuse this healed this healed man of being a disciple of Jesus, as though that would be anything. Uh, that means he was telling he really wasn't blind, uh, but now he said he's he's healed. Uh, so apparently the disciple of all these different leaders, they all have to be telling stories to promote their... Um, you know, you got to remember that in this day and age in, in uh, Jerusalem, there were many false messiahs, many false teachers. And all the teachers had disciples, as they called them then. Uh, w- today we call them minions or followers or... Uh, uh, what, what do we call the disciples of uh, James, Jim Jones, uh, and people like that. It's not that hard to do. Deceased. Yeah, well, we call them deceased. No, that's right. But a charismatic person can somehow gather a group uh, of, around him, and it be, then it becomes more and more ludicrous. If we look at so-called religious history, we feel, see a lot of charismatic individuals that started movements that are still with us today. All based on lies and un, and uh, untruth, and yet we have people still dedicating their lives to promoting such things. So this isn't just a, a, a little thing. This is a difficult thing for some of the Pharisees to deal with. Very, very difficult for them. Uh, And they're boasting, of course, their discipleship of Moses, but Jesus has already told them about this. That if they were truly Abraham's uh, descendants and sons in in the faith, uh, and Moses, then they'd be doing the things of their, their leaders, their mentors, but they're not. What's it say in verse 30 again? The man answered and said to them, Why? And this is a wonderful thing that you have not known whence he is. And he opened my eyes. It comes back to that. He's bringing it back to the miracle, bringing it back to the fact that if this... It's, it's true that I can see, and you need to find out how it is. Don't ask me anymore. I've already told you. Everyone knows. Um, but now you say you don't know where, who he is or where he's from. <laughs> They're going to have to do better than that. We have not known whence he is, is what they, they said. Does that remove them from any responsibility? I think they're hoping it does, but it's not going to really work for them. Um, You know, I I think about this when I, I think that, you know, God gave the Jews almost 40 years of time to analyze these things concerning Jesus concerning the gospel and the new covenant and make a decision that would bring them salvation and peace with God. Because this is such a powerful issue for them to to see the truth of things, apparently. He came to them because the Jews require a sign and the Greeks require knowledge. In other words, this was the The uh, personalities of the two people, the Jews and the Greeks. The Jews needed miraculous signs and wonders and things. And the Greeks had that you had to be uh, an orator and, and, and have great knowledge, or they're just not going to listen to you. That's the way it was. Is it any doubt that God sent Paul, probably the most learned man in Israel, a great speaker? To um, to the Gentiles. No, I don't think it's any real mystery,
0: is it? But e- even when they are given signs, and even when they, when Greeks are given knowledge, without faith, it's it means nothing, means less than nothing to them. it's, it's supposed to help you
3: develop faith from your mind and your heart. But then again. Because we have free will, that's our responsibility, isn't it? Now, the last, the last uh, two verses, verse 31 through 33, I, I, I just love it because the, this man that was born blind and now sees, he just won't be quiet. He just keeps going and tells them. Uh, he won't be silent. Jesus must be from God. Look at what he has done. They can't find anyone that is making the accusation that this man wasn't really blind. Now, could someone fake being blind? Well, I think they could get away with it for a while. But remember, the parents said he was born blind. Um, Everyone knew it. Everyone could see it. Matter of fact, his eyes may have appeared in, in a way such a way that you know that it's true. We don't know that for sure, but but the second point is the uh, that the blind man made. No one in the age has ever been uh, ever been uh, in the age has ever made the blind see. It was a messianic prophecy of the Messiah. You know, the learned amongst them should have noticed this right away. They they may have known it, but they're not going to confirm it.
0: All right? I've got a verse from Isaiah 35. I'm glad you found one. Verse 4? Starting in verse
3: 4. Okay. Okay, Isaiah 35. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God, and he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Okay, now that that was the the passage I was thinking about. Uh, Let's read the next verse though. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Okay, now we could be dealing with a figurative situation there of blind eyes and deaf ears uh, because of the the news, of the messianic news. The understanding. The understanding of. Um, But then again, we don't have a record of this being done. Okay, in the Bible. I don't know of any other record.
1: Um, So... uh, I mean, can you imagine as a human being, you know, a seeing person, it's impossible for us to imagine what it would be like to be blind, but we could, you know, you've seen video, you've seen, you know, how profound it would be for this man to go from being blind to seeing the world, you know, for the first time. I mean, we've seen, a lot of people have seen video. Of uh, a person who is colorblind and then gets those glasses mm-hmm. that, that allows them to see color, and those people, those people are broken d- into tears. Sure, you know, uh, are 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 so moved and incredible they can't even speak. Here's yeah. a man who was blind from birth and can now see. No wonder he is so bold mm-hmm. yeah. with what he says and so believing. I mean, you know.
3: <laughs> that's right and, and I think they got to recognize the emotion uh, I'm trying to get the emotion of this man because mm-hmm. certainly he was speaking in an emotional way and emboldened and in, in, in all that has happened to him don't tell him that it didn't happen <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. so uh, we're going to pick this up next week in verse 34 well we'll, we'll find now Jesus entering in um to the conversation, um, along with the others. So I hope that this is exciting to you because this is just the evidence of the gospel. This is what the gospel of the good news is all about. This is the good news. Not just the healing. If you'd have been the blind man, it would have been good news. But he would have understood very soon that There's more to this than just me seeing again. Oh, there's like a lot more to it. And that's the point, isn't it? So on we go. We pray uh, that this has been helpful to you today. We pray that you will be busy about your task, as the Lord has called you, and be pleasing to God in all your ways, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.